Hi, this is Jonathan Mickles with the Strategic Multifamily Investing Podcast, and I have with me Mr. Adam Labar, uh, and he's with the Active Duty Passive Income uh, Podcast and group, and um, we're going to talk to him today about, uh, you know, where he comes from and uh, about his experience in uh, multifamily investing. So, Adam, you want to give us a, a little bit of your origin story, tell us kind of how you uh, got to um, a multifamily investing? Sure. So uh, a little over 40 years ago, my parents met each other. And uh, <laughs> no, so, uh, so the, uh, so honestly, I, I came about it uh, accidentally, multifamily investing. So um, I, uh, uh, I'm a military guy by trade. Um, I uh, never was involved in any real estate, never involved in anything. I was a paycheck to paycheck kind of military guy back in the day. And I was like, all right, well, I mean, the government gives me a paycheck on the first and I have till the 15th to spend it all. So that's what I did. Um, and then, so every paycheck would go that way. And, um, you know, eventually, uh, you would think I would have figured it out as I kept getting older and older and I never did. And then I, I ended up getting out of the military while I was in college, I got married. And then I, my wife had this thing called a savings account and it baffled my mind and I didn't know <laughs> so how do these things work? What is this? Why do you have money in there? Like, don't you know, the government gives you more every two weeks. Like, it just, Hold on, so, so when did you, when did you go into the military? What age? Uh, right out of high school. I was, uh, oh. yeah, I signed up when I was 16 years old. Um, and then oh, once and I graduated, it. I was gone. Yep. And what what then, branch uh, of the military? Air Force. Okay. Air Force guy. Yeah. The smart guy. Smart That's guy. right. That's right. Make it happen there. Uh, and then you, you got out when, when, when did you get out? Uh, boy, I guess we're looking at somewhere around 12 years ago or so. Okay. Uh, 10, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. So when, when I got out and then I got married, um, and yeah. it just, uh, she, my wife was a, an absolute game changer for me. Like it just, it, awesome. in, in wow. like finance wise, like yeah. I, I had no idea anything. Again, I, I looked at the savings account and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. This doesn't make any sense. And then I started to go, wait a minute, she, she might be onto something. And I started looking and researching. And then, I mean, I, I went full bore. I, I learned about everything you could personal finance. I started to learn about the stock market, investing IRAs, um, everything I could so get my hands on. But were you doing like Google searches? Did you, you know, you know, go to a class? Were you, were, a little bit of everything. So, okay. I mean, I was, I was still in college when I got married. So I started to look in classes, classes of college that like for electives to be able to do that type of stuff and um, getting involved in just self-study. I, I'm a researcher by trade, by nature anyways, just that's what I do is I like to research stuff. So I started really researching everything that I could about it. And then I, my wife was like, Oh, you should look at, uh, real estate because her parents had a house that they were renting out and her grandmother has two houses that she rents out. And um, she was just like, Hey, you should look at this real estate thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, honey, let me go to the stock market. So <laughs> yeah, that was a terrible idea. I lost. I, lost I don't know what year, market, what, so. what year was that that you decided to kind of make that pivot from the stock market? Was it like the 2002 era? Well, that was 20 years. Oh ago. no, no. So I got away from the stock market somewhere around 2011 Right. Um, so are I, you fully out of the stock market or is just a good portion of your money is kind of directed towards real estate? A majority of my money and almost all of my efforts is towards real estate now at this point. So I, uh, uh, I mean, I took everything out of the TSPs working gone and like all the, like the military version of an IRA government, I should say, not just military, but like throwing it all out there. Like it just, my return on investment comes in a lot better in uh, real estate than it does in any of the stocks or anything like that. So 
two more quick questions. I'm sorry, I keep yeah, no, no, please, this please. is this is great because the, you know there I've talked to you know some younger um, folks that are in the military in their 20s or whatever, and you know one of the things that I recommend to them is hey if you can if you're still single go get you a four unit uh, you know apartment building live mm-hmm. in one unit and then have the other three units you know to basically yeah. pay for that and and have you living rent free and then that way you can you know actually bank your paycheck and you know whatever you're living um, I think you get a, a living premium on top of that. Yep. Right. Yeah, so that means that you get a housing allowance. The VA loan allows you to, you get four units. So you can put zero money down with a VA loan. So you have yeah. your cash on cash return is infinite, you know? So like it just, yeah. I literally you know, maybe three hours ago, got off of a, uh, a call with a bunch of, I don't know, somewhere around 40 folks or so, a bunch of military mm-hmm. folks, like trying to teach them about the VA loan, not even folks inside of my active duty passive income community, just regular military folks that are trying to learn about all of this stuff. It's like, no, like, that is one of the issues that I've seen a lot with military folks is a, there's almost no reason the military should teach you finances because yeah. if uncle sugar can keep you relying on uncle sugar, you know, like the same thing I was doing, right. Paycheck yeah. to paycheck. Every paycheck first to paycheck. the 15th, they're going to give it to me. So uncle sugar says, keep on coming back, go put it in the TSP. You're going to be great in 40 years. Right. That's 40 so, years. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but again, so if you're younger and you're listening, you're in the military, you're in a perfect spot mm-hmm. go and house hack. That's what they call house hacking, yeah. right? Just either you buy one big house and then you run out the rooms. Or again, if you're in a town where, you know, you have, you know, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, I think your, your VA, there you go. Get the military book. house hack. We even wrote a book on it. Like that's how I important see, I this is. Even, that's I how important this is. I <laughs> so again, if you want to, you know, learn a little bit more about yeah. that, that's a nice little thick book. Please reach out to Adam uh, and the Active Duty Passive Income Community and make sure that you you get that. Again, it makes sense. Now, the two questions that I uh, <laughs> went down that rabbit hole for. Yeah, yeah. You rolled over your TSP. Did you do like a self-directed or were you just doing it into a regular IRA traditional? Neither. Take okay. the hit. Taking the hit. Have the cash. <laughs> Oh my because, God. Because, yeah, you know, when I look at it and I go, all right, well, yeah, the hit is sucky, yeah. right? Like it hurts, right? Yeah. But the ability to take that money and immediately, so the one thing I don't like about throwing it into like a self-directed or, or anything, now you have like a tax shelter paying for a tax shelter and you kind of lose some of the abilities for the tax tax shelter, right? So real estate is a good tax shelter in and of itself. Um, so I'd rather use that cash, put it towards a deal, take my depreciation, take all of yeah. my uh, taxes that way. And then yeah. I end up making better off than I would putting in a self-directed IRA. And but that is, that is not financial advice. That is just Adam talking about his personal opinion. So. Exactly. <laughs> These are all of our Everybody's personal opinions. Different. There yeah. you go. We are not uh, lawyers. We're not uh, CPAs. <laughs> um, and also too, if you're going to be doing syndications, which we'll get into in a minute, mm-hmm. uh, where you're pooling people, pooling people together to kind of take their money to go and put as a down payment and then get a loan, you know, Fannie, Freddie uh, type loan for an apartment building, you know, generally you can't do that with, um, you know, self-directed funds, you know, it becomes like a tenant in common and it it, it can happen, but it, you know, again, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an accountant, but, um, I get what you're saying. So like a EQRP in a couple other different ways, but, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, you have to be careful with how you do it. It's got to be directed properly. And yes. um, if you're the one that owns the IRA or the self-directed IRA or whatever it is, then, you know, you have to, you, you can't really take the dividends on it. You can't like, there's just, it goes back into that and that's it. So 
that's why I was like, nah, I, I want the money myself. <laughs> I'll, I'll take care of that. Thanks. Yeah, you'll, you'll take the, uh, the income cash flow. Now, the yeah. other question was, were you investing when you took that out? Were you investing in single family homes up the gate or were you moving into apartment buildings or duplexes, triplexes? So I have, uh, I've bought one single family house my entire life. It was a house I lived in, I don't know, six, seven years ago, something like that. Um, but the first investment property I bought was a 62 unit property in Tennessee. Wow. Um, and it was a JV deal that uh, a couple okay. partners and I did together. I was actually, I lived in, I was living in Japan at the time when I bought it too. So mm -hmm. like it was, uh, um, so for all the people out there who say, well, you know, I don't, there's nothing in my area, but I lived in Japan and bought a house or bought a apartment building in Tennessee. So like, it's possible you just have to find the right team and the right boots on the ground. How, the did, right you, understanding. how did you find that team? I'm just, just for those that are out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what I found was um, I needed to find a group of people that were like-minded, like-hearted that understood, like we all had the same goal. So I ended up getting into a mastermind in that, in that sense. Um, and that's where I went. So I was educating myself for probably three years before I ever actually pulled the trigger on anything. Um, yeah. And then I, I got into a group. It was a Jake and Gino group. And I absolutely we got okay. nothing but great things to say about them. And I had a really good time in their program that's, and still do. Jake and um, Gino are the uh... wheelbarrow profits. So they've got a podcast. They've got, uh, you know, a, a community, the whole nine yards. So um, they're yeah. a fantastic couple of guys. And when I was in that group, I found some folks that I got along with really well. They, they had a deal. They were on the ground. And we partnered up and took the deal down. So it worked out uh, really well for me. And so for me, that's the, one of the things I always suggest to people, like get around like-minded investors, you know, and then own that, right? Like a lot of people, especially when I'm talking to military folks, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a soldier and this and that. And, you know, I'm thinking about being a real estate investor. I'm like, no, no, no. You're a real estate investor who happens to be a soldier. Like you have to own that. Like that's you. And then when I started getting around those people, right. that's what I started feeling right. like, right. no, right. I am an investor. It's not, this is, this is what I am. And now you know, well over 300 doors later, I'm, yeah, I'm an investor. Like, this is what I do. I love it. Wow. So was it difficult? Well, you know, it wasn't difficult because you just mentioned it. The question that I was going to ask you, was it difficult to convince your spouse, but your spouse told you that you should take a look at this real estate thing. So yeah, I mean, it, that, that helps, you no? Know? I will say it helped. Yes. But uh, she had no idea that uh, what she unleashed, because when I told her, I said, Hey, guess what? We're, we're going to go buy apartment buildings and thank the good Lord above. She was yeah. sitting down because she would have probably fallen over because she was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. What do you mean apartments? <laughs> right, well, right. Yeah. And then I started going through the whole process about why and how I broke down our future and where this is all going to go and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And so it took a little bit of convincing at that point because it, you know, like that's a, that's a huge mental jump for a lot of people um, to go, yeah, let's buy a single family house to now we're going to go buy a whole apartment building. Like that's a big mental jump. And I understand that that's, that's tough, which is why it took me three years to finally. But why did you, why did you get into apartments? Because, you know, some people say, look, I'm going to stay in the single family game and I've mm -hmm. got 20, 30, I've got a portfolio of single family homes, but yeah. why, why make the switch? You made that one single family home purchase yeah. and now you went straight to apartment buildings. Why did you do that? So when I was, um, so like I said, I like to analyze things. I like to look at things. And so I broke down, where do I want my future to be? Like what kind of passive income do I want? What kind of, you know, things do I want for my family? And I said, well, okay, well, if I get um, X amount of dollars per door in yeah. passive income, where is that going to, and then I realized that's a whole lot of single family houses. And then I started to realize, all right, well, if I JV some deals, syndicate some deals, kind of work through apartments, that's eventually where my brain led me. And I said, well, this is going to make it's going to make that jump a little bit easier. I'm not saying that it's, it's like, boom, now I'm there. You know, like it's still a lot of work that goes into it, but you know, you can get that in, in much fewer amount of properties. And when you buy a hundred unit property, 
it is basically the same amount of work, if not a little bit easier than buying a single family house as an investment. So if I'm going to do the same amount of work, I might as well go with something bigger, you know? So there's a couple of things that you said that that are really, really key. And I understood it. I heard it. I know what you just, I know what you're saying, but I don't think somebody else may have heard it. Number one, he sat down and he looked at what he was interested in making, right? You should know what your number is, right? I know what my number is. He knows what his number is. And then he broke it down into a per door sort of situation or per home situation. I'd like to make mm-hmm. 200, 300, you know, dollars per, per door. And ultimately that gets me to X amount of dollars per month to X amount of dollars per year. And this is what I actually am making. And he recognized, hey, that's gonna be a lot of houses. And for some of you, that's gonna be the case. You know, that's a lot of houses for you to be able to maintain. It's a lot of people say a lot of roofs. So if you figure that out first, you may find out that going multifamily is gonna be a lot easier and a lot quicker. And Mm -hmm. also too, to your point in terms of, you know, it being um, a lot easier, uh, to to do a little bit sometimes in in uh, the multifamily space, I remember you know working as a realtor you know with investors and working with other realtors where people were wanting to buy houses in the name of an LLC, and uh, you know it was oh it's a shell corporation that's really a bad thing again we're not attorneys, mm-hmm. not accountants but <laughs> that generally is how you know investors want to purchase a home they want to purchase in the name of an LLC. And a lot of times, a lot of the uh, lenders who are there want it in an LLC as well, because if something should happen, it's easier for them to go after an entity than a person, right? And be able to foreclose. At least that's what I've heard, I've understood, that's what people have told me that are in that legal space. Where if you're buying an apartment building with a group of people, first of all, you've got the group of people. And then secondly, it automatically is going to be in some sort of other entity other than in uh, your own personal name. So that's one way that it could be actually a little bit easier in terms of buying apartment buildings. Just wanted yeah. to highlight a couple of those things that you said. I'm sorry, you, you wanted to no, say something good. So it, there are multiple things on that. It, it, all sure. of that very much accurate. So like you mentioned the roofs part. There's a reason that people say that it's one roof, right? Because I've got 62 doors, that very first property under three roofs. Well, if I get a leak, I'm fixing one roof where if I have a house or 62 houses, I've got 62 roofs all over, all of which may be leaking right now. So, um, you know, my life gets a lot easier. It's a lot easier to scale. Um, I don't, if I have to hire a property manager, which I highly recommend folks do, um, I'm looking at, you know, eight to 10% as opposed to 4%, you know, uh, the, the, the scale is so much easier on a multifamily. And then, like you said, like with the LLCs, um, if you're going to do like a portfolio of them, you might be able to pull it off in an LLC, but as you're buying one, two, three, four, um, it makes it a little harder, you know, to really pull that off. But, you know, I've, I've got all of my properties are in their own LLCs. My L like I've got multiple LLCs that own different sections of different, like, so, I mean, right. the legal protection is, is a lot easier there as well for myself. So many trips and falls, they're not coming after any of my personal stuff because there's no, it, you're good luck finding it. Right. Like it's, it's, there's, you're going through the LLC instead of coming after me. And then like they're sheltered in all each, each one of those different LLCs. So it's a beautiful thing. And you're having your meetings at all times because most of the times that you're in syndications, you're going to be meeting or sending out updates to the investors. And so mm-hmm. those that are in the GP side, that means the general partnership general side, partner. which generally is the management side, they meet often. And so they do things that are necessary in order to ensure that the LLC um, is viable and that it doesn't, um, it's not penetrable. 
Um, and if and you have are, a good lawyer, they'll take care of all that as well. They'll help you out and say, hey, have you done this? Check. And they take care of all of it. So that's hire the right people, hire no, the experts I, to do the thing that experts do. So, And I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not um, being paid uh, to say this, but Mark Kohler, I would recommend out of uh, Utah, they do a, a good job of uh, making sure that your LLC is, uh, is, is okay. Um, so they have some, you know, specific things that are, you know, quick and dirty that uh, they can work with you on and make sure that that happens. So find yourself a good lawyer. Again, yeah. I'm not being paid by Mark Kohler or his team. It's just that I, I, I that came to mind uh, when it came to asset protection. Um, also, um, asset protection, when we say asset protection, we're talking about the protection of not only your investment, right, as an apartment building, but also as your own home, your own family, your own whatever, so that somebody is, I think Al, Al, Al Yellow, I think is the name. I think he also has a course out there as well. You may want to go and do some research on that. Again, I'm not being paid by him, just recommending a couple of things. <laughs> Something else that you mentioned, and we keep going back and forth, but this no, is no, good. It's good. Yeah. This is good stuff. Um, property management. And you mentioned mm -hmm. that, it, you know, you recommend that people get a property manager. I know some people are very much, I want to know everything. I want my hands on everything. You know, da, 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 da. why get a property manager? Help me understand that. So there's, there's multiple reasons I say that. Uh, one, I don't want to deal with tenants, toilets, and trash. I don't want to deal with any of that. Um, I want my property manager to deal with it. I want to deal with acquisitions. I want to deal with now when, when I'm slowing down acquisitions a little bit um, and I've got more, uh, so I'm a little spread out in my properties. I've got, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana. So I'm spread out a little bit, but you know, if I start to focus in a little bit more into one area instead, uh, maybe I'll own my own property management company, right? And okay. that way I've got all the control over it. I've got all of that. It's an extra source of income. It's a little bit easier to manage. Um, but the property management takes care of all that stuff. I don't want a phone call in the middle of the night. My property manager gets that. I don't want to have to uh, vet three different companies to make sure that I'm getting the right price for the roof. I want my property management company to take care of that. I want to be able to have uh, weekly calls with my property management team. Say, all right, good. where are my numbers? Where, uh, you know, what have we spent money on this time? How are you know, like, how many people have come and visit the property? Where's our vacancy at? And then understand all of that on a weekly basis so that I can go, ah, gotcha, check, we're doing right. Or, ah, why, why is our vacancy taking a hit right now? What's going on? Is it, you know, is it COVID? Is that what's going on with it? Or is it, uh, um, you know, oh, well, actually our, our ad for Facebook um, stopped last week. So we have less people walking in, whatever it is. They're managing all of that and I'm paying them to do it so that I can focus on acquisitions and they get to handle all of the hassles and you just call me if it's going to be a large expense. And that's all, that's all I'm going with. And so for everybody else who's, who's listening, they may, who may be new, uh, that weekly meeting that Adam is having with the property management team, it goes into uh, the asset uh, management, asset protection, asset management aspect of uh, apartment uh, investing. And that's the, the, the side that I think, um, you know, you, you want to be on. Because again, if you have property managers who are dealing with the day to day, you can deal with the week to week and the month to month and making sure that you're doing um, investor relations, you know, going back to your investors and reporting on how the property is doing. So um, there's a lot of different moving parts here. Real soon, we'll put out a uh, kind of like a white paper on, you know, for somebody who say uh, is a project manager like myself, who kind of needs to know systems and, you know, you know, used to be a business analyst, you want to know where all the blocks are yeah. and uh, the moving pieces. So we'll, we'll probably have something out there like that. Okay. So you are now in the industry. You're, you're syndicating right now. How many units do you have? 
Oh, I think it's somewhere around 360 or so, somewhere around there, 350 doors, yep. Do you have a specific number or is it the dollar number that um, is kind of where uh, enough is? So I initially, the way I backtracked it for like really a large view was 4,000 doors is where I'd like to be at. Um, you know, there's a lot that went into that thought process. Some of it was probably some would call arrogance, right? You know, but some of it is, is, you know, math where I want to be, what I want to be looking at. Um, my goals are to, you know, when it's time for me to take a vacation, that's I'm gone. It's not, I, let me see if there's time and the thing. No, I'm leaving. I'm done. Um, I'm a pilot. So I like to jump on a plane and fly somewhere. So I'm going to jump on a plane and fly somewhere. Come on family, let's go. You know, I'm going somewhere just because I want to. Um, so there's, there's a lot involved with that. And then, uh, 4,000 just seems like a nice round number that'll work well for me. So it, uh, so that's, that's kind of the goal and where I'm headed. So, so 4,000 is still the number for you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. Well, we got other than when I just erased my whiteboard, it was up there. I erased it for a big Facebook live <laughs> thing I did. So I've got to write it all back up there again, but yeah. Yeah. 4,000 well, doors and I'll write it every time I buy a new property. I'll, I'll cross out the other one and write down the next number. So. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we can, we can help you with that, you know, potentially partnering in some of the things that we're Happy doing. To do it. So uh, you've mentioned the four places that you're in. Could you state those uh, MSAs again? Yeah. So I've got uh, East Tennessee and uh, a little bit North of Knoxville is where that property's at. And I've got one in uh, Louisville, Kentucky that I'm a passive on. I've got uh, um, two up in uh, Indianapolis MSA. So. Okay. And then where are you looking right now? What is, what's hot for you? Um, so I, well, it seems like everybody thinks Carolinas are hot, but that's where I'm kind of looking right now there and in Florida. So, uh, I know that, uh, definitely makes you happy. Um, you know, the, the Carolinas are, are, are good. I, I like, I still love Tennessee because I love the, I mean, landlord tenant laws are, are friendly. Um, you know, taxes are friendly, uh, that type of stuff. So I, I look at, um, landlord tenant laws that are favorable towards the landlord because I, I mean, this is a business. We need to be smart with our business and make sure that, um, you know, the only way we can keep a business up and running is with, with income. So, uh, if you're in a state like California, um, good luck, you know, six, seven months of somebody living in your place rent free, you know what I mean? Cause you're going through the process of making it happen. So, um, uh, so yeah, Florida and the Carolinas are two places I'd like, but I'm definitely still in the indie market. You know, we're, uh, I'd wrote a couple properties for up there recently and, um, uh, we'll be submitting some offers. No kidding this week. I'll probably have two offers in for some properties up there. So, Cool. Um, let's see. I got two more things and then I'll let you know because we're, we're knocking at our time. But uh, yeah, thank you so yeah. much. This has been really, really good. So, you know, COVID-19 hit us in May of uh, 2020. So mm -hmm. how, did, how did that impact your business? And where do you see us going from here, given that um, at least from what we understand, COVID's going to be around for another year or so? Yeah. So it uh, it's one of those things. So we, around February timeframe, when the talk was happening, we started to kind of discuss it with ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me. And then uh, March, it started to really mm -hmm. show its teeth a little bit to try to help us figure that out. So it was conversation with the property manager like crazy. What are your guys' plans? Where are we at with this? What are you doing for keeping our tenants safe? What are you doing to get with more electronic uh, applications? Um, you know, how are we making sure that we're going to be collecting rent? So it was just a lot of communication with them. And then we also had to have a lot of communication with our um, investors. We didn't know where COVID was going to go. Our, our vacancy is going to go. I mean, the unemployment was going up like crazy. Our vacancy is going to be going down like crazy as well. Um, are we going to be having issues with this? Are we going to be losing a bunch of money? So, you know, we talked to the um, 
the uh, investors and said, hey, this is our plan. We're not going to be doing any distributions. We're going to be saving all of our capital. We're going to slow down on any uh, rehab that we were planning on doing. We didn't, but like we had a you know, playgrounds we wanted to buy for one property. We weren't going to do that. Like we're putting all of our major uh, purchases on hold. It's going to be a maintain, not a, you know, build up. Um, so that's what we did. We put everything on hold, said, all right, let's see how this, this fares. Um, and honestly, so we, we did pretty well across the board um, right. and still and still are doing pretty well across the board. Um, there was a couple of hiccups here and there. Like when the CDC came out, it was like, oh, nobody can get evicted. People just read that and stopped paying rent. And they're like, no, 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 you got to read three bullet points down. You, you still have to pay rent and you can get evicted for other things. So yeah, like it was just more communication with our property management team for them to communicate more with the tenants. Um, so there's a lot more involved in all of that, that uh, uh, it just opened up communication to help us really understand where it's at. So then in terms of collections, where are you right now? Because a lot of people thought that, you know, collections are going to be heard after uh, July 31st when um, the, uh, you know, the subsidies were, mm -hmm. went away, but, uh, where, where are you guys right now in terms of collections? Yeah. So we're okay. actually doing pretty well. We, uh, in, in July, we hit hundred percent occupancy on one of our properties, wow. um, which was pretty impressive. We started raising the rent and still got people coming in. Wow. Part of that I think was, uh, is a little fear-based people aren't sure what to do. So they're just like, I just need somewhere now. I'm going to stabilize it and make sure I'm solid. Uh, but then even after the, the $600 a week went away. So what we had uh, a lot of communication again with our, with our property management team. So they were putting incentives out, Hey, there's going to be a raffle for everybody who, um, pays on, pays their rent on time. Uh, we're going to have a raffle for a gift card. Um, you know, so that everybody's name go in it, a Facebook post here, I'm holding my gift card. I'm so excited. You know, these types of things. So to motivate people to still kind of, Hey, we, we still want you to pay your rent. We still want you to be taken care of. Um, uh, and collections, honestly, we've had a little bit more on, uh, of, of bad debt in there, just trying to get people mm -hmm. to, to pay, which was expected, but still our economic occupancy has been over 90%. We haven't really had any issues there. Right. Uh, I think there was one month we were at about 87%, somewhere around there on, on uh, one property. Um, I've got another property that is, uh, you know, it's not even fully uh, occupied yet. We've, it's been a big rehab, um, property, but, uh, yeah. so that one's a little bit more of an anomaly, hard to, harder sure. to really judge, but they, sure. we were doing well there as well without much of an issue. So, um, we took a little bit of a hit with like getting contracting crews on, on site and stuff like that. But right. uh, for the most part is as long as you, you know, take the hit on the chin, keep moving, you know, hits are going to come. So don't let them surprise you move on and go. You know, so what do you think about the future? I mean, with the, I mean, that's, that's a real good recap and glad that things are going well for you guys, you know, now, but I mean, the future, where do you, you know, do you still see, you know, the 90 some, you know, economic uh, occupancy or, you, um, you know, well, here we are, what, two weeks out from election, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I would like to withhold my desire to answer that question. No worries. No, no worries. I don't, I don't foresee it being bad. I don't foresee okay. it going terrible um, because people still need a place to live. People still understand yeah. there's, there's that going on. Um, uh, while I, while I'm not thrilled with what I'm looking at with the potential of what could happen, uh, as long as you stay in a good cash position, you could weather it, right? So like there was a lot of people in the last few years that have been over, over uh, paying for properties. And if we take a dip next year, which we probably will, like I've totally foresee us next year taking a dip. And I'm like, if you are over leveraged, it's going to hurt. If you are undercapitalized, it is going to hurt. So we've got uh, well more than a regular reserve pile set up for, for our properties. And we want to keep it that way. And we have a lot of equity and other properties and we want to keep it that way. Um, because 
that's going to be harder to come by. Um, yeah. You know, like getting uh, getting rent collections is going to be harder to come by if the properties if multifamily takes a larger hit this time, similar to what single family did in 2008, then we, you know, you're going to be looking at a hard time for all those people who are trying to refi for all this, but like, it's going to hurt. So if you have the cash to be able to, to make that happen, then that's, that's where you need to be. Got it. And I've, and I've, I'm going to say, uh-huh, because there was something <laughs> else I was going to say. I'll just say, uh-huh, uh-huh and uh-huh, uh, pause uh-huh. on that one. Um, okay. So thank you so much for that. So I, I, this last part or this last question is a, is a, is a segment that I'm, I'm adding on to my podcast now and asking all of my guests. Um, I've been doing some, uh, some, some thought, pro- some thinking and going round and mm-hmm. round with some of my other friends about the, our name, Red Boot LLC and where it came from. And somebody said, well, you ought to talk about giving them the boot. I'm like, huh? I mean, generally that's like a negative thing, right? <laughs> where, you know, somebody's losing, you know, a loved one or whatever you're, you're kicking mm-hmm. your, your loved one to the curb or you're getting kicked from a job and all that kind of yep. good stuff. But we're going to, going to, going to re uh, take over that, uh, that, that phrase and, and make it a I good like thing. You know, where uh, we're talking about, you know, giving somebody the prod. I mean, I know I've had to have that, you know, in the past and getting my business together. And so for those who are interested in, you know, whether they're seasoned or, um, you know, newbie, either way you want to go here, you know, how would you give somebody the boot? So let's give them the boot. All right. So kick them in the pants and make them work. Is that what you're telling me to do? All right. Kicking them so, in the pants, making them work. Yeah. Or just a gentle nudge. Loving oh, no. We don't do gentle wanna... nudges. <laughs> Remember, I was a prior military guy. It's the gentle there nudges. You go. That's not what we do, right? There you go. Um, look, it, it, nobody, uh, you know, we talk about it a lot. You don't get experience until you go and do it, right? Um, you don't get good at this until you go and do it. Uh, find yourself a group of like-minded individuals who are like-minded, like-hearted, who have the same motivation as you, have the same desire as you, that same drive as you. You are the five people you hang around with most. So if you are surrounding yourself with uh, uh, people who like to sit on the couch, put their feet up on the, the table and eat their pizza while watching Netflix, that's what you're going to do. If yeah. the five people you are around enjoy to do nothing but talk sports and drink beer, that's what you're going to do. If yeah. the five people you're around are multifamily investors who are motivated in their financial life or motivated in their family life, who are wanting to push forward, that's what you're going to do. So yeah. find yourself a group of people. That doesn't mean you have to get rid of your old friends. Yeah. That means you have to reframe your mind, reframe your, yourself so that you are around the right people. Hang out with other folks once in a while. Yeah. But if you really want to move forward, get off your couch cancel your cable, cancel your Netflix, go and get educated, find somewhere because you're just going to go right back to it again if it's sitting out there. So find some groups to get involved with, whether it's a Rio, whether it's a, you know, like I did with the multifamily uh, folks over at Jacob Gino, whether it's coming, if you're military, coming over to my community at Active Duty Passive Income with a bunch of like-minded folks that want to do this, find a coach, right? I do coaching. I do uh, financial coaching. I do real estate coaching. I do all that stuff. So find a coach that you're on a call with, you know, a couple times a month. That's really motivating. you pushing you forward. Stop being a bum with education comes confidence with confidence comes action. Make it happen. Wow. There's a lot there. I could say a lot more, but you've summed it up. Thank you so much, Adam Labar, for giving us a call from the active duty passive income community. Listen, if you are interested in getting to learn more, we'll make sure that we have Adam's contact information. Actually, what is the best way for people to get in contact with you, Adam? Uh, so my email is adam at activedutypassiveincome.com. Uh, you can uh, find me on LinkedIn, Adam Labar. I'm really the only, I think I'm the only Adam Labar on there. There may be one other one, but you'll find me. It's, it's pretty easy. So <laughs> LinkedIn, Facebook, um, email address is probably the easiest. So. 
Good. This has been such a, an enjoyable interview, and I want to say thank you to you and your community. And if there's anything that we can do here at Red Boot LLC, please feel free to let us know. And again, for everybody else, you've just received a boot from Adam Labar. Thank, <laughs> thank you again, you so much, Adam. Jonathan. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm.